This episode of the Listening Podcast is brought to you by our devoted listeners, friends of the pod, FOTPs. We never call them that. Thanks for listening. Give us a follow on Twitter. Interact with us there, at ListenInPod. Send us a mailbag question. We'd love to hear from you. Also, give us a review on iTunes if you like the show. Um, Let's go. gentlemen welcome to episode 58 of the listen in podcast it is february 2nd uh we got a great show planned for you today sean you're burying the lead here which is that uh it's groundhog's day oh right 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 oh i'm sorry i i and i i haven't done my big j journalist due diligence i don't know what the outcome was i actually do what happened groundhog saw his shadow means we have another six weeks of winter it also means that just the sun was out, and like, why did this ever become a thing? Also, this is this is a little stay woke for you. No one talks about this. You don't know if the groundhog sees his shadow, right? You can't like ask the groundhog, <laughs> "Hey, buddy, did you see your shadow?" Right. You don't know if he really saw it. it. Does that just mean he turned toward it? I I don't I really don't know what it means. I don't know if it means like it was. It's just like dark. It's like cloudy out, and he. There's, I don't know. I don't know what it means. Is there any holiday that's weirder than Groundhog's Day? No. I mean, there there no. are weird elements of all holidays, like bringing a tree into your house at Christmas, hiding eggs at Easter. Like, those are all legitimately strange. Is there any holiday anywhere close when it comes to Groundhog's Like, who gets up for Groundhog's Day? I don't know, especially because the guy who's holding the groundhog is in, like, a big top hat and, like, gloves. Like, where did this start? Why is this a thing? It just hasn't aged since it started, probably. This is, this reminds me of, like, there's certain things in the year 2017 that we just need to start phasing out. Groundhog's Day is a number one. Parades are another one. Parades are a bygone thing. Kites. Kite flying yeah. is another one. You could start to argue fireworks. I, like, we have Netflix and smartphones. Yeah, we do. Why are we still standing on the sidewalk playing patty cake with each other? <laughs> playing wa- grab ass. Watching fucking floats go by. You're, Why is that still a thing? You're preaching to the choir, especially about parades here. I hate almost nothing more than parades. Yeah. Oh, we're going to go watch the parade. Why? do you? I'm not. I'm you, staying home. Do you like wasting time? The parades suck. They're, They're the, the worst. worst. And, like, I... You go home and like people from older generations, like my grandmother, God bless her, loves parades. Of course, of she's course. all in on parades. Of course, she gets all excited, and that's because she grew up during like World War II when it was like like a parade oh, we, was we a don't big have deal. butter to eat because we have to give it to like the GIs. Right, we're a part of the war effort. <laughs> right, and like loose lips sink ships. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I totally agree, and I think Groundhog's Day should be a number one for holidays. Just I, cut it. I agree. Cut it. Let's get rid of it. Let's I would, trim the fat. Let's trim the fat. I would rather it, it... This is how selfish I am. I would rather it just be gone so I don't have to hear about right, it. Right, right. Then, like, then it bring happiness to the five people in the world yeah. that brings happiness. And, you know, I'm surprised we don't have 10,000-word think pieces coming out oh, on, God, like... Yeah. Trump's the, America like, and Groundhog Day. TheMedium.com about how this is... Yeah, about how this influences Trump's way of thinking yes. and or climate change. Like, you know there's something about... Actually, no. I saw a tweet today that was like, I can't believe some people are still following a groundhog shadow for climate advice when we have reams of scientific data. It's like, okay. You know what? I'm... 
almost in on Groundhog's Day right now because you're being so fucking annoying. Dude, it's also like, dude, no one believes it. Right. No one actually is like, oh, right. winter's over. Right. And this, dude, yeah. If you, especially if you grow up in New England, because here I sound like a like a local comedian. Especially if you grow up in New England, you know, because just wait five minutes and the weather will change. Am I right? <laughs> Where did we get off to? Dude, I don't know. What you know what, this is a pretty freewheeling start, considering the fucking week that we just had in America. Yeah, yeah it is. Like, really? You know what? Like, legitimately, like, sad and, and scary. scary. And scary. And fucked up. You know, it's and we came in just like, hey, Ooh, how about that groundhog? Ooh, what about him? So, New also, we're, we're a music podcast. Just yep. for any new listener that might have been like, oh, hey, this seems interesting. I'm going to check this out. We're a music podcast, by the way. We don't just talk yeah. about... Like Groundhog's Day. No, we're <laughs> so that would be awesome. We should do really quick. We should do just Groundhog's Day watch, and every episode until Groundhog's Day is like, is it Groundhog's Day? Nope. No. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for joining us. March seventeenth, this episode. Well, that'd be St. Patty's Day. But anyways, right. we are talking music tonight, aren't we? Yeah. So I think what we wanted to do is uh, bring back a segment we introduced a few weeks ago called Theme Song. Um, you know, just based on the shit week that we had. Let's let's give a theme song. So, what's your theme song for the past week in America, Jake? Um, my theme song for what has been going on uh, in Trump's America, given all of the executive orders he's passing and stuff, all the confusion, all the legitimate fear that seems to be going on. Um, it's "Give Me Shelter" by the Rolling Stones. Mm, fitting um, for me, just sort of. There's no song that better embodies the sort of um, foreboding and uh, sort of sense of doom chaotic chaotic it, it's sort of reminiscent of the of like the late excuse me 60s when um you know politically things were hitting a wall in terms of race relations things were hitting a wall that's sort of how it feels now the lyrics are very dark rape murder it's just a shot away Ooh, a storm is threatening my very mm. life today that kind of stuff yeah so that's what i went with that's a really good one um you know i i thought about this and i was thinking you know you could pick Almost any song that just has a negative connotation to it. It'd be pretty easy to pick a theme song. You could go tongue-in-cheek with it, too. You could, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you could. So the one I settled on, actually, uh, I, I think the themes in this song are really, really fitting. Uh, it's Straight to Hell by The Clash. So this is a song, and I don't know if... Maybe some people don't know it, because this is on the same album that has Rock the Casbah, and it's the same album that has Should I Stay or Should I Go?, this is actually my favorite Clash song and one of my favorite songs of all time. You probably are familiar with it, though. Because it was sampled by uh, by M.I.A. with Paper Planes. That's right. Um, so, yeah, that's actually where that originated from. And I think a lot of the themes on this song, it's a lot of it's about kind of uh, immigration and, and kind of nationalism in the U.S. not um, kind of helping out immigrants or people from other countries who might be in a bad situation. I was looking at the lyrics it's today. It's right on the nose. It's really on the nose. And the last verse of the song is really, really fitting. Uh, and I'll just read it to you. It goes, Can you really cough it up loud and strong? The immigrants, they want to sing all night long. It could be anywhere. Most likely could be any frontier, any hemisphere. No man's land. There ain't no asylum here. King Solomon, he never lived around here. Like, this... That last... I'm giving you poetry snaps. That last verse, I mean, back in 1982 when this song came out, you know, it's kind of criticizing the U.S. for not giving asylum or giving refugees or immigrants mm -hmm. a place to go that's safe. It's really sad that, you know, almost 30 years later, it's 25 years later, it's the same situation. We're in the same place. Um, 
so yeah, I think Straight to Hell, and also just the chorus of, you know, Straight to Hell, boys. That's kind of what we're, you know, it feels like we're going straight to hell with yeah. with all the, the stuff that's been going on. So. And musically, that song has a great sense of, like, it's similar to Gimme Shelter. Diff- totally different vibe, but also really dark, kind of eerie sound. Yeah, so yeah, I think big it fits time, as big well. time. So, uh, yeah, check out both those songs. I think they're they're pretty fitting for for what's been happening, and we'll we'll keep theme songs going. We'll stay yeah. woke on big big shout to big friend of the pod Trey, who who I think had the mailbag. He did, yeah, he had a mailbag for yeah. which this segment originated. Yeah. So moving right along, our next segment is hot thoughts, uh, and so this this could be a double entendre because if you've been listening, you know we named this after the new Spoon song, yeah. Hot Thoughts. Um, this could also take a little cue from. Migos and talk about thoughts. She had thought, thought, thought. <laughs> As in T H O T S. Do you know what that stands for? That hoe over there. That hoe over there. Uh, so, the first two artists we want to talk about this week in Hot Thoughts um, are <laughs> Mac DeMarco yep. and Beach House. Um, so, Mac DeMarco has a new album coming out. He released two new singles. Uh, I think it's called that. That's my dad. That's my old man, or whatever. And that's they uh, whatever the like songs are this called. This old dog. Or this something. old dog and my old man. Yeah. They both had old in them. Yeah. And I listen. They're fine. I like Mac DeMarco. Um, and Sean, what's the deal with Beach House? I didn't even look into this. Uh, it was announced. That's just honesty for you. Beach House is coming out with a B sides compilation. Compilation. Um, this nice. spring. Uh, in support of a new tour. So okay. this is kind of outtakes from past albums and stuff, new release from them. I think we have we both have hot thoughts on both of these artists. We do. I, I'm, I'll go first about yeah, Mac DeMarco. You go ahead. My hot thought, he sucks and is dirty. <laughs> the, you know, no, I'm just, Okay, I, I'm just kidding about that. Mac DeMarco's fine. He's fine, yeah. okay? I thought both these songs were boring, I, d- I don't get Mac DeMarco. I don't get it. One of them, Pitchfork gave a best new track to. It was it was my old this old dog or whatever. Yeah, whichever one it is. My old dog man. Right. I was like, oh, okay, maybe this will be good. I kept an open mind. I was like, this is like every other Mac DeMarco. You know what I realized it is? It's his voice. It it annoys the fuck this out of me. Is... I don't ugh, I Which, don't like it. I like it. It's weird because it's kind of Dylan esque. It is, but <sighs> you only need one Dylan. I can't get down with Mac DeMarco. I, I keep know. an open mind. He just doesn't do it for me. He annoys me. And I, I tweeted out that I was like, when that, this album got announced, I was like, oh, good. Another album I'm going to begrudgingly force myself to listen to and not like as much as the rest of the internet tells me I should. Yeah. It's how I feel about Run the Jewels. It's how I feel about Mac DeMarco. I, I don't know. What what am I missing with this, Jake? I don't know that you're missing that much, but here this is this rolls nicely into my hot thought about Beach House. Um, because, like, so... For example, with this, I like Mac DeMarco a fair amount, and so this 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 news about Beach House brought up that last weekend I was talking with friends of the pod, Erica, Mitch, and Trey when they were all over our house, and I want to say Beach House was playing on a playlist or something, and we got to talking about Beach House, and we were talking about how the first time we all saw them was with Vampire Weekend, they opened for Vampire Weekend. And I think you're in this camp, and they're all in this camp where they're like, I like Beach House a lot more than Vampire Weekend. They were saying that. And and I was just like, I felt outnumbered, because I don't. I, I, I think Beach House, in our group of friends specifically, gets this like inordinate amount of love. Like, almost too much. And I like them, 
but I just it feels almost overkill. And so I think I went into a little bit of defensive hmm. mode, and I was like, I, but I was just being honest. But I was like, I like Vampire Weekend a lot more. I See, what's interesting is, so I am with them on that. I love Beach House. I think right. they're awesome. Um, I think you're that same way with Vampire Weekend. I think you give them a lot more love than right. maybe is. And that's my whole point yeah. is that what the, the broader hot thought is that what I'm realizing is when you're in a discussion with somebody about music, like one of you likes one band better, the other likes the other better, that should end the discussion. <laughs> right. There's really no talk to be had. No. Because all that, all that happened is me and Mitch went back and forth where I was like, oh, I like Vampire Weekend a lot more. And he was like, oh, I like Beach House a lot more. And it's just... Inc- and you both just dig in on your yeah, position and it's just, even more. And it's just increasingly hostile. Yeah. And then you start taking shots at a band you also like. <laughs> That's true. And it's just like, I have no qualms with Beach House, but because you guys all love them so much and suck their dicks so hard, I like am made to be like, I'm the Beach House, I don't like them camp. Right. Which Uh, isn't true. And this especially happens with our group of friends. I'm sure a lot of the listeners find this same situation too, is when you talk about music a lot and you're very passionate about it, that, that seems to happen a lot. We've gotten in like arguments with other groups of friends about like if... What Strokes album's the best? Is right. it is this it or is it Room on Fire? Just, Same with Arctic Monkeys. Is yeah. it their first album or is it their second album? Like it's yeah, it's and it's stupid. What it comes down to is it's just their opinion. No one's gonna change their opinion because right. you say like you like it more. Right, and that's what I was realizing. I was getting like mad. I was like, this is so stupid. Like, I don't have to like Beach House any more than I do. They don't yeah. have to like Vampire Weekend exactly. any more than, I, exactly. than they do. I've come to learn with Beach House. I just like them less than all you guys, yeah. and I, I still like them, and that's the problem with that, is that you, like, kind of, in a music discussion with people who are really passionate, you're, like, not allowed to have that take. People, <laughs> you know, people know. don't appreciate it or take kindly to it because they think you have, like, something to hide, or that you, like, secretly hate this band, <laughs> right. and that you think, they think that you think they're, like, dumb or uncultured for actually liking it. Um But, yeah, my general thought about it was I was like, I like Vampire Weekend more, I think they're more interesting, I think they're more fun. Yeah, the end of story. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I, no, I, you know that's kind of my thing with Mac DeMarco. The internet loves him, right? You know, and I feel left out of it, and I feel like I'm missing something. And then again, that makes me really dig in on my takes, exactly. and I and I fire shit off on Twitter where I'm like, oh great, like this isn't as good as you all think it is because I need to make myself feel better about it, exactly, and, make, and bring others down about their opinion, right? And, and I had Trey, friend of the pod, he was like, those are fighting words. He's like, dude, I love Mac DeMarco. I was like, I know, I know, but like. You know, it's weird because this there's a tendency, again, to want to defend yourself and defend your honor and right. be like, I'm a real music fan, man. Right. My opinion's no less valid. And I need to prove it by shitting on this artist. Right. And it's like, I, I mean, like I with Beach House have no reason to shit on them, but I was like, I was like, they're overrated. I kept throwing that out there, <laughs> and I believe it a little bit, especially around you guys. But yeah. I don't, I yeah. like, I don't overall believe they're overrated. They're probably not even. Right. They're probably underrated right. in terms of like the musical right. landscape. Right. And people who actually listen to interesting bands, big they could shout, probably use more love. Big shout to Ian Cohen, friend of the pod. He's on my side with this Mac DeMarco thing. He, he loves taking pot shots at Mac he DeMarco. He does. He's like, oh, a Mac DeMarco song is chill? No way. Get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. And the thing is, with Mac DeMarco, um, my take on him is like... I, I get that. I understand why you wouldn't love him. I don't love Mac, but uh, like I'll pop on that most recent EP that he put out, and I just in, I just can relax to it. Yeah. I enjoy it. Uh, I, w- I would rather listen to like a real estate or something if I want that kind of vibe, or yeah. like Kurt Vile or something, or Beach House. Yeah, yeah. With their two albums they put out last year. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, <laughs> next hot shots. Next hot thought. 
Um, so we had a lot of new albums that came out last week, and I know we had discussed Japan Droids in depth on the podcast last week because that was kind of the big release. But there was a lot of other ones that came out as well that include Allison Crutchfield, yep. Cloud Nothings, Migos, Julie Byrne, Priests. A couple of these got a best new music uh, from Pitchfork this week. They did. Um, helping you out with the over. How are you feeling about that over under? By the way, uh, I, we're moving. You're into- still you're still on pace to because yeah. if you if you look at it. We've basically gotten four in a month. Yeah. So if you multiply four by, by 12, that's only 36. And the over is at like, what, 48, 47, yeah, something like that? But we're going to hit a hot streak. So we're going to end up, I'm going to be in trouble. We're going to hit like May again, and there'll be like 12 in a fucking yeah. month. So we'll, we'll see. I, I, it's too early to tell. It right is. Now. It's it too is. early to tell. I will say really quickly, um, I've come way, way around on Japan Droids. You have? Way around. I listen to that album at least like twice a day. Wow. Um, it's really, really good, actually. It's really good. I take back basically all of the reservations I had last week. Wow. I knew this was going to happen. I, I bet some listeners are like, way to go, hot take, Sean. Well, this is why, you know, you we shouldn't record ourselves in a permanent... Like, No Known Drink or Drug yeah. is on my best songs of 2017. Playlist. Really? It's awesome. It's you, so good. You're in on it now. Yes. You, so it. So the end does and, stuff and, for you now? It does. It's the first half, too. I has, Yeah, it's a fine song. I just um, like... I body, in a Body Like a Grave yeah. is also up there. Huh. It's album's great. Honestly, my two least favorites are, are still... It, my least favorite is probably Midnight to Morning. Yeah. Um, Arc of Bar has grown on me, too. Yeah. I like it now more than I did. It's yeah. probably still lower for me. But Japan, that's that's a different conversation. But uh, what do you think about some of the new albums that have come out this past week? Because honestly, I think this is as strong of a music release week as we've had since like September of 2016. There's two I want to jump in with right away, and that's Julie Byrne and Cloud Nothing. So Cloud Nothings, um, I'm actually really enjoying... Uh, I think there's some really, really good songs on there, and I think stylistically they're doing interesting stuff. I think it's getting a little overlooked, and I think that the seven flat-out Pitchfork gave it was maybe a little reactionary. I, I think that was uh, unfair. It was, because I think Cloud Nuff... I mean, reviews elsewhere have been more positive than yeah. that. And What does I, it have on Metacritic? 79? Something like that. Yeah, Same as Japan yeah, Droids, I think. Yeah. And it's, I think, doing really interesting things. I like... The way they approached it, and I, I really appreciate that Dylan Baldy, with every new album, kind of reconstructs the sound a little bit. Um, and I think that the use of piano and stuff on a song like Up to the Surface, or um, like the melodies on uh, songs like, what's it called, Modern... What's Modern... Uh, modern Act? Modern Act. Yep. Um, and Enter Entirely yeah. are awesome. Um so I don't really see what is supposedly missing here. I, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you. I'll tell you what it is. It, it, I, I'm with you. I think I, this album's really good. Yeah. It. Uh, I, when I f- my first couple listens, I was a little disappointed. To be honest with you, I was like, right. ah, you know, there's some things I like here, but you know, I don't know. It's no, you know, it's no attack on memory, and it's still not. No. But, right. Yeah. But this album takes a little bit to re- reveal itself with you, and it you does. wouldn't think it would with. Like a 37-minute, nine-song alternative rock album. You think it'd be pretty immediate. The melodies and hooks on here take a lot longer to reveal themselves than they did on past Cloud Nothings albums, with the exception of Modern Act. That's a straight, like, pop song. Yeah. Enter Entirely, Things Are Right With You, Yeah. Up To The Surface, like, Darkened Rings. A lot of these songs take a little bit for you to, like, get the hang of. I was uh, I was looking on Reddit earlier on the Indie, indie Heads... Um, 
album discussion on this. Yeah. And a lot of people, it was split. You had people being like, this is my favorite Cloud Nothings album. And you had people being like, this is their worst by far. I don't like this. I think it's boring. And then you had people who were in between who were kind of like me where it's like, no, this is good. It took a long time to like. And now I'm like really into it. It might not. I don't think it's as good as Attack on Memory. I don't even think it's as good as as their past album too. I think it's here and nowhere else. Yeah, I, I was lower on that album. Than I know you were. That album. Go back and listen. It's actually I have, really I have, good. I have, and it's the same thing for me. I think this of the three of those past two. I think this is the third best, but I still think it's good and worth listening to. I think this is going to be an album where if we're like looking at. The music history of today, decades from now, this will be an album where it's like it got overlooked at the time, but it, it's a subtle, it's a gem, and you know maybe it's one of these albums where critics do a like complete like years from now they're like this actually was maybe their best. You know and what? Even if it's not, it might be something that they write. I th- yeah yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I know what you mean. You hear about that with mean. albums where it's like everyone talked up this album by this band, but the real album they came out with that was overlooked at the time was their '71 classic. This album, right. you know what I mean? I you can know, see that with this. To be honest with you, I think 2017 is shaping up as that kind of year. These right. are gonna be like these weird outlier releases from bands. I think Japan Droids is a good example. Like when you're going back, I'm gonna compare Japan Droids to like. Yeah, let's pick the Clash. Not not a great example, but someone who has a limited discography. Yeah. Because by the time everything's said and done, Japan Droids will probably have like four or five albums, kind of like the Clash, like their wheelhouse range. People always talk about the Clash's debut. They always talk about London Calling, and then there's a conversation secondarily of like Sandinista, Combat Rock. You know, give them enough rope. When people look back at like Japan Droids, the conversation's always going to be Celebration Rock. I think something like Near to the Wild Heart of Life is going to end up being like that, you know, if you're a kid, let's say you're like 17, you're like, I'm going to get into Japan Droids. Celebration Rock's going to get you. Near to the Wild Heart of Life might be one that is like a little more challenging for you or like yeah. might take some time to reveal itself. I think 2017 in general is going to be that way because there's no chance that like, we talked about this in our preview episode that Arcade Fire, The National, Vampire Weekend, Fleet Foxes, all these bands just make another classic. They're going to be a little different. They're going to be a little challenging. It, and I think the way we talk about them and perceive them is going to end up being different way down the line. This is going to be like Bob Dylan's desire. It's going to be like... That's they, exactly they, the comparison I was going to They came off like career highs. Yep. They were, you know, we didn't really know what was next. And then they came out with something... And you were like, I don't really know what to make of this. But years down the line, I think we might look back and be like, that was really good. Right. But at the time, I think we're going to have some mixed thoughts about a lot of the stuff that's coming out this year. Exactly. And I was the desire, you took the desire uh, comparison out of my mouth, actually, because I, I think in like the year 2040 or whatever, kids who are getting into what is then classic rock, which will be the yep. stuff that's out now, I think if you look back at the Cloud Nothings discography, say you're doing what we do and you're like, I'm going to go all in on Cloud yeah. Nothings, and you start with um, Attack on Memory, and then you're like, okay, now here and nowhere else, and you're still itching, like, I want some more, I think this will be in the conversation, and you'll have some of these writers doing like rankings and yep. be like, my favorite is actually, right. um, what's the one, what is the name of this one? Life Without Sound. Life Without Sound. Yeah. Um, I, I could see like people getting into it and being like, you know what? It kind of like Desire. It's like it's a different sound, but I really, really like it. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think that could happen. The other album. Yeah, let's talk about Julie Byrne. This yeah. this was one that, um, if you recall, when we introduced our 
segment recommendations of the week. Yeah. This is one I told everybody. I was like, this is going to be one of the first great albums. I've been telling y'all. Of 2017. Check out Natural Blue. And uh, I think this is delivered, Jake. Yeah, well, so for me, uh, this Julie Byrne album has taken me by surprise. I saw you listening a lot back before this came out. And I gave a few of the songs, like, one listen. A one-off listen when they were still singles and the album hadn't come out. And my immediate reaction was, like, boring, not really into it. I don't think she's bringing that much to the table. I had, like, kind of negative takes. But I was like, I'll, I'll hold off. You know, I'm not going to go do a hot take segment right. about anti-Julie Byrne. Right. And I'm glad I didn't because having listened to this record, it's 32 minutes long, which is a perfect length in terms of wheel, the, my wheelhouse. And there's a lot of great songs on here. Some really nice guitar work, really nice vocal work. I think she's put together a really awesome record. And I've found myself through this past week listening to it more than anything else, yeah. actually. Yep. Um, it's really grown on me. And... Um, yeah, I'm excited to go back and listen to her previous album, like you told me. Um, it's really good. Yeah. It's, it's like a compilation, a compilation of. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Still getting uh, over that. Uh, yes, yeah, it's a little bit of a cold. Of um, what, some like past EPs or cassettes or tapes or something. It's just it's not like a technically I think a fully realized album like this one is, but it's just a collection of the different songs that she had. Uh, a couple other albums that came out this week. Allison Crutchfield, uh, Katie Crutchfield's sister, Katie Crutchfield of Waxahachie fame. This basically just sounds like a Waxahachie album. Let me ask you this. Are you all in on this album? I'm not all in on it, but I really like it. So I'm not sure how to feel. I've listened three times now, and each time... I can't find something. It like kind of just falls through my fingers. I know what you mean. Where I don't. It's like sand. I'm like that's it's like water. I'm like that's kind of a hook. I'm like that's kind of an interesting instrumental right. thing she did there. And every time I get to the end, I'm like, I was kind of excited for that not to be. I know what you mean. On it's, anymore. It's like, it's not like a fully formed, realized thing. But there's a lot of good stuff about it. I've listened. I've probably listened to this album like ten times. Right. Um. I. I, I really like it. There's certain songs on here that I'm like, yeah, that song's awesome. Like, Dean's Room's really good. Expatriate's really good. Um, it's like even Expatriate. Like, I, I get to it. I'm like, I know that this is one of the better songs. I don't know. Maybe it's an, an issue of one or two more listens or something. It could be. It could. I think I think it might be. Um, again, something about these Crutchfield sisters. They get a lot of love. They do. Critically. And I, I never fully get it. I like it all. For example, though, I, if I were to rank like the albums that have come out recently, it's like Julie Byrne, Japan Droids, Cloud Nothings, then Allison Crutchfield. You okay. know, like it's you know Crutchfield and Cloud Nothings are probably about even, depending on the mood that I'm in. Um, yeah, but I just, yeah, it's, it's like. I, but here's another thing too: is like we we come on and we try to like talk about each of these albums. Valuable listening time for that album has been taken up by Julie Byrne for me. Right. Like, and I'm sure it is for you, but I have been much more interested in listening to that one. And I've been trying to rotate each in a yeah. little bit. Um, you know what I love, though? And this is what I mentioned about how this is a great music listening stretch, is we have like four albums that are all 32 minutes. Yeah. You can easily just knock all these out. You can. And you listen to four albums in like an hour and a half. Yeah. That doesn't I, make sense. Like two hours. But right. yeah. I haven't returned to Japan Droids since I know you we haven't. last talked about it. I know. I will, but at the same time, if we're following our thing of like let's just listen to what you we would, feel yeah. like. I don't don't do it if you don't want to listen yeah. to it. I don't I don't know. Um haven't been in the totally in the mood. Quickly Here, here's what I want to ask yeah, you. Yeah. You so I listened to this priest's album. 
La- yes. like a couple yeah, weeks ago yeah, yeah, when yeah, it was yeah. streaming early. Yeah. And I said, I think on the podcast, it was like, I didn't totally, wasn't into it yeah. that much. Yeah. Um, but then you gave it a listen and you said, hey, Jake, maybe revisit this. Maybe you yeah. missed the boat a little bit on this one. I listened again. And while there are things I liked better, I still sort of had this feeling that pre and again this is based off two listens so don't shoot me next week when I all of a sudden love this album right but there this sound this like punk sound they're doing for most of the songs I feel like every few years the music press gets hoodwinked by a band oh it sounds doing, like Savages they're doing the same it sounds sound. just like Savages except yeah. I th- I like this better than Savages yeah and I like some of what they're doing again like don't get me wrong I it's getting a ton of love I know. We got best new music on Pitchfork. An 8.5, 8.5. which is pretty high. And it's. I, mean, I like, like the Migos album better as a whole than this. <laughs> we'll get to Migos. But so, am I missing something? No, no, no. Here's the thing. This is it. This is a good. This is a good album. When you told me you're like, yeah, no, I, I don't know if I'm feeling this. I was ready to not listen at all. Yeah. Um, one of my friends at work, big shout to Ian. He big friend of the pod. He was like, no, this album. I really like this. I've been listening a lot. I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll check it out. I listened to it expecting, like, not good at all. Like, not... And, and then I listened. I was like, oh, shit. Like, JJ's a good song. I was like, oh, shit. Like... Um, well, and that's why you got to give me slack on the, like, Jake only says stuff's okay. And if Jake no, says something's actually not great, it's... That, that holds a lot of weight with me. That's right. why I was ready to just write it off completely. Because I was like, if Jake says, like, yeah. I'm not feeling this, like, that means it's bad. Right. And so just for reference for any listeners listening, Sean accuses me all the time of saying that every album ever is okay. That accusation it's, is founded in fact, though. It's not because this album, I was like... You said it was, like, okay. I was like, I wasn't really feeling it. Okay. I, was, I, I was pretty honest about it. But... I listen. There's like a few as a whole. Also, am I gonna write an album off after one listen? Am I gonna be like that's terrible? I need hotter takes from you. What do you want? I'm ready to write Mac DeMarco off as like a human being, okay? <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Ridiculous. I know it's not fair. I'm not saying it's fair. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, but with priests, this is not gonna be an album as a whole that I go back to a whole lot. Um, but there's a few songs on here that I really like that I'll yep. pick out. No, and I that, agree. Like I said, JJ. Is a really good song. I like, uh, is it Lelia 20? I like that Yeah, song. that's a good song, too. No Big Bang, by the way, sounds like, it sounds like, so there's, there's spoken, uh, it's a word of, what's the word? Spoken word verses, which is reminiscent of something off of Slanted and Enchanted yeah, what's by Pavement. What's that song called again? It's, it's the one that goes, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, it's that song. Um, and the whole verse, it's Stephen Malcolmus being like, blah, 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 blah. Is it blah, Conduit blah. for Sale? Yes. Yeah. Um, and then the ver- the chorus is No Big Bang. It's like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Which reminds me of Parquet Chords when they go, yeah. uh, No City, that song yeah. off their last album. So I just thought it was interesting that you, you were... No, this- no coincidence that No Big Bang is one of my least I, favorites. I thought it was interesting, Sean, that this is your album of the year and they're your favorite <laughs> band of all time when they sound just like your most no, despised no, bands. Look, look. Let's call a spade a spade here. This is a decent album overall that has some highlight songs on it. Check out JJ. Check out uh, Lelia 20. Check out Nothing Feels Natural and Pink White House or like Puff. And No Big Bang. Those are good songs. Bang, bang. The rest, I could take or leave. Still, like, like the first song, Appropriate. I'm not into it's, that vibe. No, it's not that. No, I'm not into that vibe no. of like punk singers being doing that thing where they're like, da, 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 like that kind of singing. We've heard it before. Yeah, it's like this is not. I don't. I'm bored by. I think there's like some nice guitar work on "Nothing Feels Natural" and JJ, like some good little riffs and stuff. So 
This album, I think, is getting a little bit of a bump because of the political climate at yeah. the moment. Understandably, we need music like this right now. Yeah. But in terms of, is it the most enjoyable to go back and have repeat listens to? Maybe not. I'm going to end up eating my words. I bet I'll come back next week and it'll be like how you kind of are now really loving Japan. It's, that's not going to happen. It won't. It's it won't not happen. happen. But you never know. I might come back it's and be like, ooh, happen. sorry, Priest. It's not going to happen. Well, uh, last hot thought, Migos. Jake's with culture. So I've only listened once to this album. Alright, so I, I've listened once all the way through and I went back today and I was just I had a you know what? How about this? I had, I had a great conversation at work today. I was talking to Ian, the aforementioned Ian. Big shout. Big I was like, you know pod. what? I like this Migos album, but why does every rap album have to be fifty five minutes long? And that's on the short end. And he Right. And he goes he's like you know what? Like they don't care about the album format. No. They just want to get as many songs out there as possible. They want to have their club banger. They want to have their R and B song. Yeah. They want to have their trap song. They want to have everything. Okay. They're, that's they're trying to get all their features in. They're trying to get their guests in. Migos is a a threesome rap group. They're all trying to get their verses in. Like all they care about is pushing out content and verses and songs. They don't care about the album format. They're trying to get songs like Bad and Bougie to number one and get fucking spins on the radio yeah. and through streaming services. And I was like, you know what? That's a revelation. This is a different way to think about rap music and, and listening to rap albums. And I'm like, I'm just going to go to their Spotify. I'm going to listen to their most popular songs from this album yep. and not worry about listening to the album as a whole. It was way more enjoyable. Yeah, that makes sense. It was awesome. I was listening to like T-Shirt. I was listening to like Kelly Price. I was listening to all these different songs. I was listening to Slippery featuring Gucci Mane. I was like, this shit's awesome. Well, I think there's some exceptions, obviously. Like, if you're going towards Kanye West sure. or something, or you could even argue, like, um, what was her name? Kamaya last yeah, year. Yeah. Some albums where it does feel like there's a structure. Kendrick is certainly an exception. Sure. But I would agree, especially having listened to this album, it was definitely the way I felt about it, where I was like, this doesn't, none of, it doesn't like hang together. Right. And you're right, it does feel like it's due to a general, they, like, again, there's apathy towards albums as a structured thing. And it just like, it's just song after song, and some are great, some are boring. And there was a lot of this where it was like, here, they're doing kind of a Drake thing here, they're doing kind of a this thing here, and that thing there. And like, it's all sort of stuff I've heard in rap recently. It's nothing I'm going to listen to all the way through. Right. There's some bangers to pull out Agreed. from here. Bad and Bougie obviously is yeah. one that I'm sure everyone has heard right now. That's That song is super popular right now. Um, I think Slippery is a great one. You know what I love about this album is, and what I think is really funny in rap music, is when they're talking about their Lambo or they're talking about like something else, and they're rapping, and then they have someone else in the background going like, skirt, skirt, skirt. Yeah, and like, like yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Like, like yelling in little yeah, 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 like, sound effects. Gah, 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 like stuff like that. I think that's so fucking funny. <laughs> and it makes the song so much better and more entertaining. Skirt, skirt, skirt. Like that's it's awesome. Yeah. So like you gotta kinda you gotta like suspend disbelief with an album like this. It's almost like going to see Transformers. You know what else would have been an album like this is Ray Shremmerd. Yeah, exactly. You know that would have yes. been. Yes. Bad and Bougie is the 2017 version of Black Beetle. What do you like better, Black Beetles or or uh, um, Bad and Bougie? That's tough. It's not tough for me. I have an easy answer. Uh, yours is Black Beetle. It is. Um, I like it. I like it significantly more. I actually like Bad and Bougie a lot, but I like Black Beetles a lot better. I just because for me, it's tough. I, I like. I think that Bad and Bougie is like funny and definitely catchy in that in a weird way, but. 
Black Beetles has hooks. It has yeah. Huge, yeah. awesome pop hooks. And I just love saying like raindrop, drop top. Yeah, yeah. Like I love cooking up drugs in the crock pot. I love I love that. It's so easy. It's funny. Like it's that's like a meme right now. Yeah. It's like a cultural thing. Much like Black Beetle was. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's pretty close for me. I, I'm just gonna. I will pick Bad and Bougie because it's hot oh, in the streets right okay. now. Oh, okay. Uh, but this is a fun album. I think this is a bigger discussion that we could potentially have in another episode about like, is the album like a passe thing? Like, because it seems like the only people who really care about sequencing and track lists and length are like white indie artists. Well, no, but I mean, look at Kendrick Lamar. Look at Frank Ocean. Those are I. Th- I think you could argue too with like Frank. That's like a twenty-song album. Not every song's essential on that. Like I, I oh, think. Blonde? Yeah, I don't. I think you could easily like. I think cut that's blonde down. I think maybe, but I, I think, think that's the exception in that genre, though. That's I, what I'm saying. Wait, it's the exception, but I don't agree with that. I think that Frank, like that album, is like it hangs together and is very. It's woven together. Sure, okay, fine, but I think that's the exception in that genre. It is, and right. most artists in R and B or rap aren't necessarily caring oh, no. about the, that art form as much. You know, I agree. I'm just saying we can't paint with broad brush strokes about just sure. like rap in general. Sure, yeah. But yeah, I agree. I, and, well, I, and, and it's no coincidence that the rap albums and rap artists that we, I felt gravi- that we yeah. gravitate to towards the most are Kendrick and Kanye, guys who do seem to care about the album the as albums. an art form. And we like elevate them yeah. only because that's how we experience music Exactly. And like a lot Other of people are like, no, I'm all in on Migos and like Drake and Future and these other guys who are just releasing like mixtapes all the time, yeah, like singles. Because people, like that, that's not how we perceive like music. People don't get caught up on like the album has to be good, right? I actually, I'm so like cloistered in my album centric listening that like I will not give some songs their due just because I'm like, oh, I can't, I'm not gonna ever listen. I to know it on you a bad especially album. are are I I will at least pick good songs out of. Holes that aren't great, right? And be like, yeah, I feel like you just don't listen to those. Well, I don't know. I like you'll hear them around, or sometimes we'll play them. But yeah. it depends what the album is. Yeah, it depends who it is. Like if it's, a, it's someone like Migos, like th- to be honest, they're not gonna ever really be totally my thing. Like right. the songs I'm gonna like on skirt, it. Skirt. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. What better way to transition? Uh, and then quickly, last hot thoughts here. Uh, we had some new singles, yeah. uh, and announcements this week. So. Future Islands coming out with a new album called The Far Field. I think that's coming out in April. They released a new single called Ran. Father John Misty is a lot of output this yep. past week. Two more new singles. Yeah, we talked We talked record. about Pure Comedy. He came out with two wildly different perspectives and Ballad of the Dying Man, which got a best new track on Pitchfork. The first of the three it, it did. to get a best new track, which I agree with. That's my favorite out of any of the songs he's released so far. It has become my favorite of the three, and I'm starting to get really, really excited for this album. Um, but what did you think about Ran from Future Islands? It was good, not great. It didn't grab me as immediately as, um, you know, Seasons or... Certainly not. Or some of the other singles that they've come out with. Yeah. Um, it's fine. It's Future Islands. It's good. And this is what I mean about... I feel like 2017 is shaping up to be a year where a lot of these established artists end up coming out with releases that are like not bad, but they're also not 
the crowning achievement of their career. They're well, they're like a little bit different, and they're well, gonna the way we talk about them is gonna be really interesting. And a lot of them are coming off of a release that was their exactly. crowning achievement, exactly. or like at least it's perceived that way. I don't know how you, Future Islands. I think you like In Evening Air better, right? Yeah, like one of those. Yeah, but um, but that's I mean, Singles is the album that they like they hit blew up big with. with. They blew yeah. up with. Yeah. Um, I agree. I listened to it a couple times, and I like. I'm actually excited for the album based on the sound of it, and yeah. it, you know, it'll be it's good Future Islands. It'll yeah, be good to have. Yeah. Them back, but in terms of Father John Misty to return there, I'm really really excited because I agree. I think Ballad of the Dying Man is actually the best of the three he yeah. came out with, and that's given even how much I love Pure Comedy. I know, yeah. I actually even I think this song is better. It, it's going to be one of the better on the albums, and I th- on the album rather. And I think Two Wildly Different Perspectives is a really listenable song too. Very good. I think uh, the uh, Two Wildly Different Perspectives is going to end up being. One of those songs. It's only. It's short. It's a shorter song on like a on a, on a seventy-five minute album. Yeah, I feel like that's gonna be one where it's kind of like, y- yeah, it's there, but there's better songs. Well, I think what it's gonna end up being is also one that's better in the context of the album. Agreed. I think that could happen. I was looking at the track list today, and because I wanted to see how the seventy-five minutes broke out. Because I was curious, and that song "Leaving L.A." Yeah, which we've like, heard before. We have when we saw him at Newport, right? Yes. It was. It's thirteen minutes yes. long. And there's the second to last track is almost ten. Yeah. So that's really where the bulk of that is. And yep. then he has a lot of like four or five minute songs. Right. Right. Um, I am really excited and I wanted to bring up so like you said, Ballad of the Dying Man was given a best new track by Pitchfork. Um, leading up to that, uh, Pure Comedy was not, and Two Wildly Different Perspectives was not either. I actually don't think they even wrote about two wildly different perspectives. Um how are you feeling about you have the over for this for an 8.5 best new music are you feeling confident are you feeling like it's going to hit uh yeah but barely so i have i've kind it might of push to be honest with you it might push i've been fluctuating kind of both ways where it's like maybe uh this was just the the first song where they actually felt it deserved a best new track cuz with pitchfork like i'm always trying to suss out like what's their agenda here what are they trying to convey that's in the subtext and I thought that giving pure comedy not a best new track was a bad sign I thought that was initially a bad or, sign you know because that's like sort of again like the thesis statement for the album yeah. he released this big it was like that was his big coming out party he was like yeah. here's this big diatribe here's this video here's this song a lot of times Pitchfork gets caught up in the gesture a little bit they do and but the, there's so much we don't know about this they probably already have their hands on this album they probably oh, of course they do yeah critics have listened to it know the some of the other singles that are might be coming out. Um, maybe this is the last single we get before the the album comes out. Who knows? Maybe yeah. this was like their all right. We're gonna give this, and then we'll review the album. Because like uh, Julie Burns, a good example. I think that will be pretty telling because the first two songs that came out for that they gave Natural Blue a best new track. Yep. They gave um, Follow My Voice a best new track. Those are coincidentally my two favorite songs in the album. And then um, I Live Now as a Singer came out, and that didn't get it. Okay. And so, it, like, it's going to be interesting to see how best new tracks translate to. Is it going to be a best new music? Sometimes doesn't translate. Sometimes doesn't. So, I don't. And does that go the opposite way? Is it like if you yeah. don't get any, or if you get one out of three, is that a best new yeah, music so album? I, they, they're all over the place. Because I could easily see their take on this being it's his crowning achievement, it's his masterwork. Yeah. Nine out of ten. I could see them also being like it's overlong, it's overstuffed, it's pompous, mm-hmm. it's it's too bombastic. He bit off more than he can chew. 
8.2. Right. Like, so I, I don't right. really know, because a lot of times they try to sort of impose a narrative over yes. it. Yes. I mean, yes. that's what writing about music right. is, ultimately. Right. But I, so, anyways. I think it's still wide open right now. I think it could go anyway. It is. So we'll yeah. see. Having the under, seeing the best new track today, I was like, ooh, that gives me pause. Yeah, we'll see. If this one had not gotten it, I was going to be like, I might be feeling good at the under. Yeah. No, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm encouraged by this. I think this is good. You know what? It's funny. Father John Misty songs, especially this album, feel like you need to do a fucking poetry explication yes. to like really understand it. Like for me, I listened one time to this, and I was like, you know what? I feel like I'm gonna enjoy this more if I actually follow along with the lyrics. My next listen, I did exactly that, and I was like, oh wow, this song's awesome. It is. It's really really good. I'm sure once this comes out, we'll have a lot of stuff to break down with it. But you know, I think I think he's on to something with what he's what he's going for, especially since we've heard some of the other longer 13 minute songs where we know where he's going. I agree. I mean, the way Josh Tillman sings, he really enunciates. So usually it's pretty yeah. easy to follow the lyrics, which is good, especially for. Someone like me, where I'll just get lost in the in the melody and realize halfway through a song, like, oh, I don't really totally know what they said there. It's like reading a book when you're like falling asleep. And you're like, I didn't really read that last right, paragraph. Right, That's what happens right. to me, like with with music. But so he really enunciates, which is helpful. Um, so yeah, next segment. Next segment, Sean. We got a mailbag question. Mailbag. Who, who does this come to us from? This is from Josh. Josh, big friend of the pod. He asks. Let me open the envelope. <laughs> <clears throat> gents, what album? I added the gents. Just to, we'll edit that out, but I added that in. Um, what album do you not need to be in the mood for and can listen to anytime? I like that you're doing like little hand, like as if you're yeah. reading a letter yeah. that no one can see. Right. It, it won't actually benefit the listeners at all that I did. This that. is a good question. Uh, so, what album do you need to be in the mood for? Or do you not need to be in the mood for? Sorry. You, you don't can listen to, to no matter what. This is actually a really hard question. I thought it would be an easy one to answer. It wasn't easy. It's not. And the reason why, Jake, I'll tell you why, is because is we have access to basically all of the world's music. I get choice paralysis. Yes. Paralysis for sure. And what ends up happening to me is I think I need to find the perfect album to listen to right now or I'm wasting my time. So... This is actually a really, really hard question because to an extent, yeah, there's a lot of albums I love and can listen to pretty consistently, but I feel like I always sort of have to be in a certain mood to right. listen to them. Well, and now it's like how much do I balance just pure leisure listens to like an old album that I've loved for years with, you know, maybe I'll have a better take on Alison Crutchfield if I listen <laughs> the fourth, right. fifth time. Yeah, where's that balance lie? Right. Um, so the ones I picked for this... I. Here's the thing. I could have gone Beatles with this. I thought that was boring. Everyone knows I love the fucking Beatles. It doesn't matter. I think the Beatles are a mood one big time for, for me, personally. Right. I have to be in a Beatles mood. Like, right now, I'm not in a Beatles mood. Right. If you were like, oh, let's listen to Revolver, I'd be like, yeah, I'll enjoy it if we listen, but it's not my first choice right now. You would. I feel like if it went on, you'd just I'd be like, like, I've heard this a thousand yeah. times. I get it. And it's the same for me. And what I realized is that's really true of any album. And the ones I picked are just the most not like that. Yep. Um, and you're right. Actually, the Beatles are one where I go through really hard spurts of being like Beatles all the time, yep. all the time. And then I withdraw. Um, so actually, that's a good point. So the ones I picked are Is This It by The Strokes, In Rainbows by Radiohead, and High Violet by The National. Those are all awesome picks. And to be honest with you, those three could be on my list too. Right. I didn't want to pick those. 
Um, I went with uh, Year of Hibernation by Youth Lagoon because that has just been one for me. That might be one of my most listened to albums of all time. So I figured, you know, you don't necessarily have to be in a certain mood. You can just listen to it. And an interesting one you might not expect, and I was really thinking about it. I was kind of looking through albums. This one stood out. Let It Be by The Replacements is one because, to be honest with you, if someone, like, almost no matter what, was like, I'm going to put on Let It Be by The Replacements, I'll be like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, sure. Because it's short enough where even if maybe you're not totally feeling it, you don't have to be with it for that long. It's like it starts and it's done pretty quick. But also you get kind of a lot of different vibes and feels with it. You get, like, a harder rock feel. You get a little bit of a ballad feel with like androgynous you get you get kind of like different feels with yeah, it yeah um i can see that so honestly that's when i kind of go back to and i'm like i don't really know what to listen to if i remember let it be i'm like oh i'll put that on for me with mine it's in rainbows was a car listen for me for a long time so it's one i've heard so much where i can really throw that on whenever and it's actually been in mary kate's car big friend of the pod for a while so we'll put that on sometimes and i'm pretty much always in the mood um is this it it's just like I think kind of a perfect album and I I mean I guess you could I, I'm more in the mood for this in spring and summer than I am during this time of the year but I could pop it on now and still enjoy it yeah. and High Violet is I think just like always always enjoyable Agreed. it's agree. like it's the uh, national album that the least reminds me of a very specific time of yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. And it's just the one where, like, I love every single song on here immensely. And yeah. I'm always down to listen to it. Yep, makes sense. So with that, with that question from Josh, thank you, this influenced our Mount Rushmore ah. this week. Uh, so we're doing Mount Rushmore of kind of the opposite, which is what are the all-time difficult albums to get into? So these are ones where you really have to try, you really have to be in the mood, and even if you are, it's like a slog to get through. And we're saying more or less it's for us. Right. Like for what our experience has been. Right, right, right. So for me, uh, on my Mount Rushmore of all-time difficult albums to get into, I have Joanna Newsom, Have One On Me. So I think Joanna Newsom for a lot of people can just be difficult to begin with given the weird instrumentation, the weird song structures, the weird lyrics, the her singing voice. Um, add on to that the fact that Have One On Me is like almost three hours long. It's a like a quadruple LP. Um, multiple songs of eight minutes or more, some of which are like sort of boring. Really? Um, this was a really hard album. It took me six seven months to really get into and like uh and that was only after i made a conscious effort to be like i'm gonna listen to this and pick out any song that i have a positive reaction to and basically only listen to those songs so there's a couple eight minute songs in this album that i just don't listen to anymore right um and that's kind of how i got into i think it's great now i think it's really really good uh and it took me like eight not maybe ten listens to be like yeah, I remember what this song is and what's good about it, and go from there. So that was a, that was my most recent challenge. Uh, another big one, and this is one that's on like every single list for difficult albums, is "Bitches Brew" by Miles Davis. This is another tome of an album. It's again, it's oh, it's well over two hours long. Uh, it's like experimental jazz fusion. Um, I've only ever listened to it all the way through twice. Uh, it's a wild album. I like it. Um, it's just not necessarily one that like I'm gonna put on for leisure. Right. 
Uh, the other one I have, and this is one I've actually never gotten into, is Daydream Nation by Sonic Youth. I love Teenage Riot. I like uh, a couple other songs on here. Overall, I really can't crack the, the code on this album. I, I don't know what it is. It's critically acclaimed. People love it. I can't get into it. I've tried multiple times. Not for me. My last one, this is one that um, I actually really like now, but for a while I didn't totally get, and it's In the Airplane Over the Sea by Neutral Milk Hotel. I saw this mentioned a lot in other lists and other forums where people were talking about tough albums to get into, and uh, I it jogged my memory. I was like, oh, this seems like a really easy album to listen to now. I remember I, I didn't totally like it at first. It took me a while to really like. So, yeah, yeah Nutramilk Hotel. Um, so for my list, uh, my first one, I also have Bitches Brew. I tried to listen to this album for the first time in high school. Ugh, and I was, luck. I was so... I Like, because I... I fancied myself like, oh, I kind of like jazz. I was like, I got into kind of blue, easy. And then I got Bitches Brew. I went out and bought it. And I'm like halfway through Pharaoh's Dance, the first song. And I was like, what is happening in my ears right now? I don't understand this. It's like atonal. Stuff doesn't make sense. It doesn't sound like they're playing together. I will say this past year, it's taken all these years of like listening once in a while. I finally turned a corner yeah. on it, and I actually really enjoy it. It's certainly never going to be on a list of like album I play all the time. Right. But if I'm if I'm weighing on jazz during yep. a certain period, I'll throw this on and like. Get you know some what I found with Bitches Brew? If you are just like, if you have a lot of time, like say you're at work or like you're doing something where you know you're just like, I have two hours, right? Just throw it on. And, like, I did that a couple weeks ago, and it really helped. Because you can just kind of let it float in and out, and there's certain points where I'm like, this really isn't that challenging. Then other times I'm like, oh, wait, it is. Yeah. Like there were, so what you have to – it's kind of a mood thing. Yeah. Because there was one time I, like, went out for a walk at work. I had an hour break at lunch, and I was like, I'm just going to go for a walk, pop on some music. And I put this album on, and with some time and space to just be alone with it, with no other distractions, I was like, this is really, really interesting. Yeah. And I was really, like, getting into it. That's actually where I started to turn the corner yeah. a little bit. Number two on my list – uh, Freak Out by Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. This is on a lot of best albums of all times list. And um, I tried getting into it again in high school. And so this is a... Zappa's weird. But this album is really, really strange. It's his first album that he ever came out with. And it's from the 60s, like the late... I think he came out in 67, 66. So he is like satirizing the pop and rock of the day while also doing wild experimental stuff on the like there's a song on the back half of it called Help I'm a Rock where it's just like it's like them yelling like help I'm a rock <laughs> it's really really weird and there are some really catchy songs on here like Hungry Freaks Daddy and like Wowie Zowie and that kind of stuff and I really liked it but I never knew what to make of this album cuz Zappa's kind of confounding you're like is he making fun of me right now right right like right. am I the butt of his joke yeah. that I even like any of this yeah. so it took me a long time I don't listen to it that often but I I did finally kind of get into it uh, the key with this one is skip some of the last tracks. <laughs> right. Um, next one, um, another one that I, again, tried to get into in high school and finally did. This is the one where maybe of these first three I got the most into of these. And this is the Velvet Underground and Nico. Yeah. Um, and it's mostly thanks to songs like European Sun, which is, I think, the last song on it. Yeah, it's I like think so. 10 minutes, and it's so. just it's dissonance. It's crazy, yeah. It's dissonance and then, like, smashing plates. Yeah. And it's like, this is not... 
music, but that's the point. What is music? That what w- can't be music? That was one of my first experiences with truly just like dissonant sound and being like, oh, this this can be music. Right. And yeah, that was challenging because I was like, this is at the time I was like, this is kind of stupid. Yeah, and then there's also that song, the the Black Angels Death song, right. which is kind of intense too. Honestly, I I love it now, but at the time I didn't like heroin. The song Heroin, which really? is the best, or the first listen through, because I had seen it written about so much. And my first listen, I was like, this song is like kind of too much, because it, it does those crescendos where it gets really dissonant yeah. under Lou Reed's singing. I, I think that's like a 10 out of 10 song. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I love yeah. that yeah. song. But at the time, when I first tried to get into it, I was like, I don't know what to make of this. I distinctly remember my first listen to that album, actually. I was mowing my parents' lawn. That's a wild... A lot of first listens to albums are happening when I'm mowing my parents' lawn with headphones in, ear like the... The soundproof headphones on on the rider mower. I listened to Celebration Rock the first time doing that. I listened to this album the first time doing that. A lot of different albums. I distinctly remember being on the rider lawn mower. Big shout to the rider mower. That's right. What what uh, what make of of mower was uh, it? Craftsman, I think. Craftsman. Yeah. Not a deer. Not a cub cadet. No. no. Craftsman. Yeah. Big shout to the craftsman ride on mower. Um. So with this last one, I was gonna go with an album I listened to recently, which is, I don't know how to pronounce it. Ege Bamyasi by Can. Uh, this was on Pitchfork's list of best albums from the 70s. I popped it on and it's like all time weird. It's like freaky, like pseudo jazz, yeah. like experimental dissonant fusion stuff. I would, I, this would take me so much work. I don't think I'm going to return to it. Yeah. If I ever do, it'll be because I'm like, I have nothing to listen to. <laughs> right. Um, but right. the one I'm actually going to go with is one that. So you did a sneaky, you cheated. You're doing five. <laughs> well, I shouldn't have explained it as much as I did, but uh, so strike that from the right. We'll, we'll edit that out. Um, my real fourth is uh, one that should be easier to get into, but just has never been, which is What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. This was like sixth on the Rolling Stone top 500 albums of all time list. And, you know, I enjoy it. It's all right. But I like, I certainly don't get it to that degree. Yeah. And I finally, like, the last time I listened to it was, I think, last year. I did a little bit of a soul and R&B kick. I listened to some Sly Stone. I listened to some um, Marvin Gaye and uh, all, what's that guy's name? Oscar... Um, Oscar De La Hoya. Uh, no, but uh, <laughs> it'll come to me. I can't remember. Um, Oscar and, Robinson, the big O. No, and I kind of turned a corner on this. I kind of turned a corner, but I still, it's like I never feel like listening. Oscar the Grouch. Uh, that's it. Oscar okay. the Grouch's seminal 1972 R&B masterpiece. Oscar from uh, Hey Arnold. Yeah. Oh, Susie, make me a sandwich. Susie, oh. Remember that episode? Not to go off on a tangent here, but do you remember the episode where... Baby Oscar comes to stay with them. <laughs> yeah. And Oscar, the adult grown man, is like jealous of baby Oscar. <laughs> yes. And yes. like, and like, I distinctly remember he's walking around his apartment in that in like a wife beater. Eating and pickles, under, right? Eating just whole pickles. <laughs> yeah. Like, imagine how bad Oscar Kakashka smelled. I My favorite Oscar Kakashka episode was when Arnold was teaching him to read and he gave him a tale of two cities. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And then Mr. Potts comes in and, and he's like, yeah. and he's like, hey, uh, Oscar, why don't you read this one? And he starts to read. And he's like, I got you, you freaking idiot. I switched, flipped the book upside down when you weren't looking. You just memorized the words. Dude, how funny is it that Arnold had this these like multiracial, like, yeah. 
yeah. live-in people who just lived at the boarding house. And they would just all fight all the time. Yeah. And they're having this, like, trial of the public court for whether or not Oscar can read. And, like, Mr. Potts and Mr. Wynn are, like, really into this. Yeah. Yeah. All time. I love that show. Great show. Uh, so, yeah, anyways, that's my Mount Rushmore of hardest albums to get into. Um, uh, we will wrap this week up with our recommendations of the week. That's right. Jake, what do you have for your recommendation? Uh, my recommendation of the week is to check out the podcast Song Exploder. It is um, produced by a guy named Rishikesh Yearway. Mm. Um, and I've been listening to it for a while. And what he does is he has an artist on. Um, I like he's done uh, DJ Shadow. Um, he did the guy who wrote the score for the Moonlight soundtrack. Um, he's done like Death Cab before, or no Postal Service. And what he does is he has the artists come in and they take the song and they take out segments of it and they have the artist explain the song bit by bit. And so what they'll do is like sometimes they'll pull out just a guitar track that you've never heard isolated or just a vocal. And it's the artist being like, yeah, I did this because I liked it for this creative decision. Mm. It's a really cool podcast and each episode is like 20 minutes max. Yeah. Um, it's really, really cool to listen to. Nice. So nice. I, I recommend people give that a. Give that a listen. Cool. My recommendation of the week is Tallest Man on Earth, his 2015 album, Dark Bird is Home. And the reason why I'm recommending this is because I think this is a criminally underrated album. Not only for just Tallest Man on Earth, I think in general. When this came out, I think people had maybe a bit of Tallest Man on Earth fatigue. Mm. Uh, maybe some fatigue with just this genre. And they were like, do something different, because you've been doing the same thing for three albums now, four albums now. Um, with a little bit of time, with a little bit of context, understanding why he wrote this album and what it's about, it, it's really chronicling the divorce between him and his wife. Um, not, not explicitly, but I think there's some things you could be inferred from a lot of the lyrics about it. And it is a gut-wrenching heart-aching album and um the more time that has gone by with it the better and better it's become honestly if i'm gonna choose a tallest man on earth album to listen to right now it's probably this one it's not my not necessarily my favorite but it's the one i would maybe be most inclined to listen to at the moment um it, it also just kind of reminds me of certain points in time of my life of when this came out or, or even a little bit after um and I think this is a very emotionally raw album that didn't really get it to do when it came out. I think it came out, it got kind of written off, didn't get talked about in terms of end of the year lists or, you know, what this meant for, you know, Tallest Man on Earth legacy. It just kind of felt like, oh, here's another album from Tallest Man. When in fact, I think this is maybe one of the defining works of his career. Um, go listen to this again, even, even if you've heard it. Go check it out again. If you haven't, I recommend you check it out as well because it, it really deserves a little bit more attention than what it's gotten. I know for sure that when it came out, I wrote it off a little bit, and I agree with your take now. And I think that it, um, it's a really, really good album. There's just that there's only one song on it that I still can never get that into. It's fine, but it's that song where it's like that, like suddenly we are gone. It's like that kind of like it sounds like a Disney song almost. Yeah. And it's just like really peppy. Okay. I, something about the instrumentation, but like, I don't think like, there's a bad song on here. To be honest. even that song, I know what you mean. Um, what's that one called? Do you remember? I don't off the top. This of This is head. bad radio. And I just and I just listened to this today too. But um, yeah, you know, you want to talk about albums that 
might get looked at differently years down the road. Um, is it, is it uh, beginners? I think beginners uh, or seventeen. It's one of those. It's beginners. It's, it's beginners. beginners. I think it's beginners. Yeah, but it is my least favorite. You want to talk about an album that that might get discussed differently years down the road? Yeah, uh, I think call. this is one because you obviously you have the Wild Hunt, which is considered a, a classic and has been canonized as such. And then I think you have um, There's No Leaving Now. Which, I even think There's No Leaving Now is underrated. I I, I would agree, but yeah. I think that still got its critical due, um, where yeah. it was very highly rated, and then this one. Just didn't for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, it got kind of forgotten, swept under the rug, and I don't think that's fair because I think this is just as good as "There's No Leaving Now." Honestly, right now, th- I'd rather listen to "Dark Bird Is Home." Or maybe only because I've listened to "There's No Leaving Now" too much, but um, I, I, on- I think this is better than uh, "Shallow Grave." Um, yeah, "Shallow Grave" is probably the one in his discography I'm the least likely to listen to. Sure. Right now. Yeah. Yes, but I, I mean. I, it 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 kind of bums me out that this happens sometimes, and I think, like I was mentioning earlier, twenty seventeen seems like a year where this is going to happen. Yeah, a lot with artists where it's like, oh, and this artist came out with something else, and well, you got priests coming along to be the new the, the new, new hotness show pony. I, I don't know. know if that's a phrase. Yeah. I just decided to go. I think with it, it is. Yeah, the first thought that came to my head was show pony. Yeah. So that's what priests is. So I, because which album is gonna is actually better to you, Japan Droids or Priests? Japan droids. Right, but like a lot. I like it better than Priest, and yeah. I'm not even all in on it. Yeah. That's the thing. It's not it's even like, close, and it's Japan droids. A lot of times, it's like the music press is a cycle. Right. And they're like, you know what, as these older art, like, we got to find new meat. We got to yeah. find new people to we gotta pump We got to canonize out. new people. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's a lot of that going on. But yeah, so check out Tallest Man on Earth, Dark Brothers Home. Check out the Song Exploder podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Listen in Pod. Send us some mailbag questions. Yeah, that we can tweet answer. at us. Yeah, at yeah. Listen in Pod. Is that yeah. what you said already? At Listen in Pod. Yeah, that's right. I didn't that's know right. if you did the iTunes plug or the Twitter plug. I was Twitter plug. Twitter plug. Yeah. Tell tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Good old word of mouth. It never word hurt anybody. Yeah. Tell a friend. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks everyone. Specifically wore this sweatshirt up. I was like, oh, wait, it's going to be chilly up there. I don't want to be shivering like I was last week. Specifically went and got a sweatshirt. Yeah, if if you're recording in Jake's room, you know it's going to be cold. I don't know what that was supposed to be. It was like, it was like vaguely racist. It was kind of like a football player being like, and you know when you come into our house, you ain't going to beat us in our house. It's It's like, 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 this is kind of, this is a little racist. And you know if you're coming over the middle, you're going to see me there. You can count on that. It's like that kind of thing. <laughs> right. Like, st- again, like vaguely mm. doing like a the voice of a black person. Like, wh- here's the thing. Wh- where does that intersect with racism? Like, how? where does I- impersonation intersect with racism? Because, like, if I was doing, like, a Woody Allen impression, I did, like, any, 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 like that sound thing. sound like a, like a New York Jew. Right, yeah. yeah. Like, wh- is that racist I, or is that just how he sounds? Because sometimes, I mean, that's just I, I how those think, linebackers I sound. I think... I think a lot of people would just say it's always racist. I don't think it is. Am I supposed to imitate like Ray Lewis or be like, yeah, don't come over the middle. I sound like this. <laughs> like that's not how he it's sounds. It's not as funny. Yeah. It's not his voice. His right. voice sounds like like a yeah. Like a black dude. Right. It just does. Right.
I don't know if it's racist to like. I don't think it's racist. I mean, if you're if you're doing like, we could go down a bad path here. <laughs> it might be best to yeah. pump the brakes. Because if you're imitating us, you would You'd do, do like a lame white, white guy voice. Be like, oh, a pitchfork gave this an eight point two. Oh. I think it deserves an eight point four. Oh, Jake, it's good, <laughs> not great. I li- I, I like it. I like it, but it's bad. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, what's funny is that us doing an impression of us was much worse than just us being ourselves. I know. It didn't sound anything like us. I know. This does. You got something in your nose. Dude, story of my life. The the comedy of man. Yeah. Uh, Beard update, 2017. Yep. Um, I go back and forth every day. One day, I'm like, you know what? This is filling in pretty nice. Other days, I'm like, "This, this is... Gross! I need to shave this. It's not gross. I think your your beard grew in nice. It's uh, pretty full. Obviously, there's a patch here and there, but yeah. that's better than a lot of guys. And you, it grows in. If you're looking straight on, it looks like you have a like a full beard, and it's really yeah. the, the patches have covered nicely. Yeah, I was. I, I actually had someone at work be like, "Did your beard like?" Grow exponentially overnight because it looks much fuller. And I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, like, yeah, that's it, very nice. No, it comes in pretty thick, and like so. especially up front where it really matters. Yeah, like I, for me, it's either gonna have to come in the second half of this decade, or it's just mm. not gonna happen for yeah. me because like it, everything I could possibly have going against me for beard growth just is like half of it's blonde. It it's not that thick. Yeah, it the the best growth I get is just up my neck. And yeah. so, it, like, like you have to eventually look yourself in the mirror and be like, you know what, Jake? Like, literally look yourself Look yourself in the mirror and be like, you know what, this beard, yeah. it just doesn't look good. Yeah. You should just shave it, because no one cares if you can well, grow a Well, I, I think you just keep, For me. we just keep working on it. Uh, you know what? It, mine started out, like, really red. I think the red has gone down a bit, or it's blended in. I think yeah, there's I, still a reddish element. I think it's it's a, it's a, some character, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. But yeah, so we'll see. I think the plan is, no matter what, I think I'm gonna shave it on Monday. Shave it on Monday? I think so. Two yeah. months in? Yeah, it'll be like uh, exactly two months, I think. Yeah. Or like a little over two months, so. Nice. I'm yeah, I, I gave in on you this time too early. And the reason I did was because we had a new boss at work, and I was like, ah, maybe mm. not the best time to have like a questionable slash not good looking beard. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but I'll eventually give it another shot and inevitably... I mean, your beard is like way better than mine. Way better. It is. It's much better. But in this, in the grand scheme of like beards, it's like no, it's good. I think you actually you gotta give yourself more credit because up front it it really works and like the sides have filled out some. Yeah, and I actually think that you have that outline where I think it's eventually just gonna fill in. I hope so. I really hope so. It we'll see. Yeah, we'll a, see. Yeah, we'll see. I've yeah. spent so much time. I've spent so much fucking time <laughs> analyzing beard growth. It's become yeah. a sick obsession. It really has. You know, I started out that way when when this experiment first started. I was like, every time I look in the mirror, I'd be like, Ooh, "What's new?" The past few weeks, I've just been like, "Whatever." Like, not, yeah, but it's not even mine. Just everyone's. If I like yeah. see a, if I am googling a celebrity, I'll like try to look at how their face, where the facial hair grows. You know, who's a face. sneaky gross beard is uh, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, it's not. It's great. not good. Like, I think I might have a better beard than him. I think you do. Um... Who else's isn't good is uh, the Adam Driver. Yeah. Can't, doesn't seem to have any yeah. beard. Feidelberg. Mm. Did you see the, the on, of Barstool, did you see their Burger King commercial? Yeah. 
His is just yeah. all neck. Yeah, and yeah. It's like blonde. They were. It was brought up on a couple podcasts. It was. They yeah. were like, "In what are what is this?" What and is you, he, I could tell he was a little like he was tr- definitely trying to grow something. Yep. And he played it off like it's just laziness. It's like no, you tried because no, you, you it could, go. because he's someone like me who thinks a lot about appearance and what yeah. they look like. He just doesn't do that out of laziness. He does. That's a that's an on purpose thing. Yeah. And I could tell he played it off that way. I was like, you, uh, you got kind of caught in this. It did. Well, the thing is, what sucks is like if you're not sure. Like I did the same thing where I was like, I don't really know how it grows, so I have to let it just grow to see. And then if it sucks, it's like, oh, like that's all. It, like and, and people notice, and people like probably make fun of you and stuff, which I'm sure they did to Feidelberg. Yeah, it's just a bummer because it's like you know everyone just people, trying to thing, just fucking trying it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Even people like some people at work, even with me, they don't like make fun of it. But they like comment on it. It's becoming a lot more common. They're like, it's getting thick. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if you're implying that like you need to quit it with this or you're like, it's, yeah, it's like getting thick. So I don't know. And it's making me be like, yeah, you're not trusting anything. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, bottom line, I need, I need reinforcements. I need them quick. Cause genetically, in terms of time, I don't have a lot left in yeah. terms of like your the years where your beard. It's comes kind of, it's almost like a woman whose like biological clock yeah. is ticking. Yeah, my your beard my, clock. Is my ticking. beardological clock is running yeah. out, and like I go home and my fucking brother is just there with a full beard. Yeah, just like full, just like up the sides, yeah. you know. And I'm I'm just like, how dare you? It, right in my, in my your house, own flesh and blood. Yeah, my own flesh and blood just insulting me <laughs> with this beard. I don't know, man. It is what it is. I don't what know. What can you do? I have, like, fucking chest hair. Yeah, that's... Like, too much chest yeah. hair. Yeah. And a neck beard. I'm, you know what's funny? I'm finally just starting to grow chest hair. Hey, so you know, maybe it's not too late for me. <laughs> so, maybe it's not too late. You know, my, my body might be doing a thing where it's like, we're just going all out. We're just growing everything right now. Yeah, maybe. So, we'll see. Maybe. But that's Beard Watch 2017. Yeah. Want to want to dive into the show? I feel like we got a good show planned. Uh, we do. Let me... <laughs> thought, thought, thought. I just thought that you changed hot thoughts to THOT. <laughs> uh, yep. uh, okay, yeah, let's go. All right, ready? Three, two, one.